Many years ago, Robert Burns famously said the best laid plans of mice and men often go awry. Well, the Memphis Grizzlies have big plans this offseason, plans to upgrade their roster, try to improve it. Well, how will they go awry? What could possibly go wrong? There are some teams out there that could make life a little more difficult for the Memphis Grizzlies. We're going to talk about them on this episode of Locked On Grizzlies. Check out our new look and stay locked in. You are Locked On Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Lockdown Grizzlies. I am your host for this episode, Joe Molinax, flying solo. And look at look at how good I look. Look at my look at my face. Look at how nicely boxed in I am. You could see the outline for today's show. You have our wonderful logo. You could check out Locked On NBA next. That's absolutely what you should do after you should listen to this podcast first, though, even though it's just me, no to Michael Cole. But just wait till you see both of us on this beautiful new screen. Shout out to the Locked On Podcast Network. Shout out to all of our wonderful editors, everybody that is doing tremendous production work to keep stepping up the Locked On Podcast Network look. Again, I am your host, Joe Molinax, Locked On Grizzlies co-host, but I also help work out over at Bluff City Media. I'm the head of Grizzlies content over there for now. May not be for much longer. There are applications currently out and about for that position. But, of course, if you're listening, if you're watching, you know me through Locked On Grizzlies, your team each and every day as proud members of the Locked On Podcast Network. This episode of Locked On Grizzlies is brought to you by Prize Picks. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. That's prizepicks.com, promo code Locked On. Very exciting times here on Locked on Grizzlies. The rundown for our show today. There are three teams that I have gathered, in my professional opinion, as loosely as I can use that word, that could directly impact the Memphis Grizzlies season, or offseason at least, their plans, those best laid plans of mice and men, as we mentioned a moment ago. Those three teams, how they can hurt the Grizzlies trade market, what Memphis can do to try to counteract that, all that on this edition of the podcast. We're going to jump right in with the team that I would argue most directly can play a role in what Memphis is going to do as a team trying to get in the trade mix. And I think that that's going to be the Portland Trailblazers. Now, the Portland Trailblazers are in a very unique situation, right? Number three pick in the draft. They made the decision, you know, with roughly a month or so to go to punt their season, basically, and tanked it out. And the Trailblazers put out some pretty dastardly lineups, just groups of basketball players in the NBA that probably shouldn't have been there, at least half of them, right? Uh, shut down Damian Lillard, who had an all-NBA caliber season, remarkable talent, arguably his best season yet. and he's still a member of the Portland trailblazers. He's under contract for a considerable amount of time and for a considerable amount of money. So Portland with this number three overall pick has some choosing to do. What are they going to do? 
Are they going to hold on to that pick? Obviously, Victor Wembayama probably out of their reach. Same thing with Scoot of the G League. So if those two guys are not within their mix, and even if they are, what happens at three? Does it make sense to add a cornerstone young talent like you're supposed to get in the top five or so of an NBA draft? Or do you use that resource to bring in someone who can help Damian Lillard build up his potential last couple championship runs with the Portland Trailblazers? It's a conundrum, and it's a question that directly impacts the Memphis Grizzlies because obviously Memphis does not have the number three pick. They do not have that level of sweetener to entice a Brooklyn Nets, to entice a Toronto Raptors, who will talk more about both of those teams later on in the show. But it starts with Portland. Because if it's not Portland that is actively out there seeking a trade with that number three pick to go get Pascal Siakam or OG Ananobi or Mikel Bridges from Brooklyn, how is that pick going to be utilized? Right? Or is Damian Lillard potentially on his way out from Portland? Do Trailblazers front office members, their coaching staff, do they see this as a chance to start a rebuild? And now you have the number three pick. You trade Damian Lillard for a pretty penny, I would imagine. Again, he's one of the top 10 to 15 players in the NBA, literally a borderline, if not already there, Hall of Famer, offensively speaking, at the very least. And he just had his best season. So when you take all that into consideration, you have number three already. You trade Lillard and you get additional assets. You could have a pretty solid rebuilding process getting rolling. What do the Grizzlies do in response to that? Obviously, we have to wait and see what Portland does. But it's almost like a domino effect, right? There's a domino effect. You knock over one domino, the rest of them fall. In a way, what Portland decides to do at number three is directly going to coincide with what happens with a team like the Memphis Grizzlies. Because logic would suggest that Portland would also be interested in some of the players that the Memphis Grizzlies this offseason could be interested in. I mentioned a couple of them already. OG Ananobi, right? Number three for OG Ananobi feels a little bit steep. Toronto might be the ones that have to sweeten the pot a little bit there. Number three for Mikel Bridges. Given the way that Mikel Bridges finished the season, that's not a terrible starting point. And if Portland's able to bring in Bridges and maintain Damian Lillard, hold on to Jeremy Grant, Nurkic, Anthony Simons, if they could find other ways to try to make the money work there, and one of those guys would probably have to go to make the money work. But if Memphis doesn't have the opportunity to go and even make an offer on Mikel Bridges because Portland's already swooped in and picked him up, that obviously impacts their offseason. What would Memphis be willing to do for Mikel Bridges at this point? Is it four first-round picks? Is it five? I don't think Desmond Bain gets involved in that conversation, but everything else is on the table beyond that. So it's an interesting question, an interesting proposition, and it all centers around how Portland sees themselves. How do they see Chauncey Billups, their head basketball coach? Are they going to keep him around? Do they see him as a championship contending coach? Probably. Damian Lillard, how long is he going to be there? In theory, he's going to be there for several more years, but 
It's possible he's not if they make a trade. So the the fact that they have number three, do they go get a Pascal Siakam? And that helps accelerate a Toronto Raptors rebuild, which we'll talk more about. If Toronto makes that choice, if Siakam's gone and Portland takes Siakam, does that make OG Ananobi more obtainable? Fred Van Vliet walks. Do they need a Tyus Jones to help them navigate a rebuilding portion of their reality in Toronto? Portland is that first domino, in my opinion, because Portland is a team that can do literally anything. They have movable contracts. Nurkic is a very movable deal. Anthony Simons, very movable. Neither of those guys, I would argue, are overpaid. Damian Lillard is a superstar in the National Basketball Association. You send him to Los Angeles somehow, either LA team, you send him to Brooklyn, you send him to New York with the Knicks, you send him to Miami, any of those places. Boston, can you imagine the Boston Celtics with Damian Lillard? It's possible, not likely, but possible. There's potential there for a lot of these teams, sign and trade with Kyrie Irving with Dallas. I don't know that... That makes a ton of sense for the Mavericks. But the point is there are possibilities. There are options. The Phoenix Suns, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, Damian Lillard heads down to Phoenix. What the Trailblazers can do in their current situation makes their decision-making directly connected to what Memphis is going to do. Because Portland has the trump card, right? Toronto, or excuse me, San Antonio, Charlotte, they're going to hold on to their picks. They're going to do what they want. Maybe Charlotte trades back. There's been some rumors and speculation of that. San Antonio's taking Wemby. Charlotte's probably going to stay at two. The draft starts at three because there's reality for the Portland Trailblazers. Are you going to take another young player after already having Shadon Sharp in the fold for the Trailblazers? Does that help them win a championship now? The answer is no. Damian Lillard is a player that is capable of being a first or second best player on a contending team. That's reality. You have this asset in the number three overall pick to try to build that talent base for a win now move. If you are going to use number three to draft someone, then it's probably time to move on from Damian Lillard. And that's one of the fascinating things about this offseason. And it's a team that directly impacts what Memphis is going to do. We'll talk about our next team that would be the next domino to fall. I mentioned them a moment ago. They're the Toronto Raptors. We're going to reference why I think they are second most vital to the Grizzlies next here on Lockdown Grizzlies. But first, this episode of Lockdown Grizzlies is brought to you by Prize Picks. Big fan of Prize Picks and their $1 million daily Superflex promotion. Obviously, the NBA Finals are approaching. Six correct picks on a six-pick flex could get you $1 million. There's also prizes for five and four correct picks. You have to fill it out at prizepicks.com slash million. You got to opt in at that link for the million dollar entry. And remember, you're not going against individual people here, right? It's just you against the projections that are available. Is Nikola Jokic going to have more than 7.5 rebounds? Is Jamal Murray going to have more than 25.5 points? It's fun. It's easy. You can win up to 25 times your money on any given entry. And it includes the NBA as well as Major League Baseball, just about every other sport under the sun. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less, super fast and safe. 
operational in over 30 states as well as in Canada. Download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you download, or excuse me, if you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Prize Picks will give you $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. We are talking the Toronto Raptors next and how their reality will impact the Grizzlies' future. We'll talk about that as we carry on on Locked On Grizzlies. Stay with us. Welcome back to Locked On Grizzlies. I am Joe Molinax, your host for this episode of the show, and the Michael Cole of the Commercial Appeal in Memphis, Tennessee. My co-host will rejoin us on tomorrow's episode, where we'll do our first finals preview, taking a look at whoever it is coming out of the Eastern Conference against the Denver Nuggets, how that could impact the Grizzlies. I'm sure DeMichael will have some insight on uh, Shoegate, which I'm not going to go too in-depth with, and DeMichael probably won't want to either. If you're active on Grizzlies Twitter, you know what I'm talking about, and I'll leave it at that. And if you're not, that's probably a good thing, probably wise. I'm Joe Mullinex of Bluff City Media, and I am excited to talk about the second team because they're one of the ones that is consistently linked with the Memphis Grizzlies, right? This is a squad in the Toronto Raptors that OG Ananobi to Memphis just makes too much sense. It's just too easy. It's right there, right in front of your face. OG Ananobi, a better defender than Dylan Brooks, a better offensive player than Dylan Brooks. He makes the Grizzlies better, OG Ananobi being a better player than Dylan. And realistically, especially if Fred Van Vliet leaves Toronto, you trade Tyus Jones and a few first-round picks, hey, you get an OG Ananobi, and Memphis is in business. Here's why that may not be as clear. The Toronto Raptors are one of the teams that is still looking for, at least as of this recording, their head basketball coach. It sounds like they are in the final stages. Uh, Jake Fisher of Yahoo Sports, I believe, reported that Tarko uh, of the Memphis Grizzlies coaching staff, um, I'm a big fan of Coach Darko, and I really think that he is going to have a wonderful coaching career. That, that's an important thing to point out. But I'm worried that he is not quite ready. Darko Rajakovic, uh, excuse me, I always mess up his name. I apologize for that. I always call him Coach Darko. Um, but Coach Darko is a wonderful assistant in Memphis. He's been a major piece of building that process for the Grizzlies. And it sounds like he's in the final mix for the Toronto Raptors job. Another coach like um, Doc Rivers could also be in the mix for that job. And who they choose, a first-time head coach like a Darko, a seasoned vet like a Doc Rivers, whatever name eventually comes out of in a plume of smoke from the chimney uh, at Toronto Raptors headquarters, that's going to directly decide how the Raptors kind of see themselves moving forward. Because one of the great ironies of this past season was how much the Raptors were lauded for this talent they have, right? Fred Van Vliet, wow, what a great player. Scotty Barnes, what a great player. OG Ananobi, what a great player. Pascal Siakam, what a great player. They have all these dudes that can play, and they were mediocre. They didn't make the playoffs, right? So they underachieved under Nick Nurse, and that's why Nick Nurse got let go and is now the head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers, which is kind of interesting, right? You get let go by Toronto, and arguably you 
upgrade, uh, at least in terms of the current standings in the Eastern Conference. So who Toronto chooses? Let's use Darko as an example. If they go with the Grizzlies' assistant coach, that would be a bit of an upset, right? That'd be someone that nobody really kind of saw coming. And it would also signal, at least in my opinion, a desire to rebuild because he has been, through Taylor Jenkins, Zach Kleiman, obviously John Morant, a part of a rebuild. So one of the arguments for hiring someone like him would be he can help lead you through a rebuilding process and perhaps accelerate it. He's seen the Grizzlies model. You could argue that a major piece of that model is drafting John Morant, but Desmond Bain, Brandon Clark, there's all sorts of different names that I can outline. John Morant is only one basketball player. Obviously, the Grizzlies have rebuilt their situation pretty successfully. So to bring in someone like Darko would directly say, at least in my opinion, that the Raptors are ready to rebuild. Maybe that makes OG Ananobi that much more available. Pascal Siakam does indeed go to Portland in a trade for number three, like we mentioned earlier. OG Ananobi comes to Memphis. Fred Van Vliet leaves, and the rebuild begins. And oh, by the way, Darko obviously would have a connection with Tyus Jones, a little bit of Grizzlies North, so to speak. Uh, for Toronto. That's a possibility. On the other hand, if they go with a seasoned vets like a Doc Rivers or someone of that ilk, now you're talking championship contention, right? Doc Rivers or someone like that is not going to Toronto to rebuild a roster. He's going there to win. He wants to compete. He wants to contend. Toronto has pieces that they could move on from. Again, Fred Van Vliet, if he decides to stay if a season coach is hired, but you know he has a player option. He could opt out. There's places with cap space that he might want to go get paid while he can. That would make sense. Even if Fred Van Vliet would leave, a Tyus for OG and an Obi trade makes less sense in that situation, at least to me, because OG and Obi is one of those guys that's going to help you win. Pascal Siakam is one of those dudes that's going to help you win, right? Uh, at least in theory, if you think, you know, one of these other guys that got fired as part of this cycle, Mike Budenholzer, if Mike Budenholzer goes to Toronto, is that somebody that is going to ship out Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi? Probably not. He's going to look at those guys and say, we have the talent to contend. They just need a new voice, different scheme, whatever you want to call it. Let's do it. Let's compete. So again, that directly impacts Memphis because it, like we've talked about on this show, literally everybody has had some sort of situation where they've said, you know what, OG Ananobi to the Memphis Grizzlies, make it happen. It makes too much sense. But the Toronto Raptors circumstances are changing. They're evolving. And if Toronto decides that they want to stay in the title picture in the Eastern Conference, look at how open the NBA is right now. The Western Conference, the Los Angeles Lakers were the seven seed in the Western Conference Finals, the Miami Heat, eight seed in the Eastern Conference Finals. It is wide open. Everybody thinks that they have a chance. The Toronto Raptors, given all the talk about how great their talent is, probably think they have a chance, especially if they're able to bring in one of those veteran coaches. So the higher that the Raptors make, a different kind of domino, Right. Because Portland hasn't fired Chauncey Billups. Doesn't seem like they're going to move on from him. The, the domino to fall is what they decide to do with number three overall. For Toronto, and it will happen relatively soon, again, as we record, maybe it's being announced, 
But whoever Toronto chooses as their head coach, that directly impacts the Memphis Grizzlies because of the availability of players like OG and Anobi and the direction they take as a franchise. If they go in one way of a rebuild, OG and Anobi for Tyus Jones and two to three first round picks makes a lot more sense. If you were rebuilding a franchise, wouldn't you want someone to count on like Tyus Jones? The Memphis Grizzlies did. On the flip side, if they're trying to contend, yeah, Tyus is a steady hand and he would be a good replacement for Fred Van Vliet. But are you going to be willing to part with OG Ananobi for that? Are you going to be as interested in first round picks? Probably not. You might need something else in terms of player sweeteners. And maybe that is where the Grizzlies get uncomfortable. Maybe they don't want to move on from a Santi Aldama or someone like that. Maybe it would require more rotation players on a playoff team. So that is another domino that we have to watch, that we have to see how it's going to play out. The Toronto Raptors and their decision-making directly impacts what the Memphis Grizzlies are going to be able to do. When we come back here on Lockdown Grizzlies, we'll talk about one final team. Again, I mentioned them earlier. I killed the lead a little bit. I'm sorry. I'm just so distracted by our wonderful new graphics. Um, The Brooklyn Nets, they have a plethora of these types of players that the Memphis Grizzlies could be interested in. But what Brooklyn decides to do will directly impact the Memphis Grizzlies. We'll talk about how next on Lockdown Grizzlies. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Lockdown Grizzlies. I am your host, Joe Mullinax. Once again, flying solo on this episode. I missed the Michael Cole terribly. It's been so long, right? We had the long four-day weekend for Memorial Day, which I don't know about you, but I need it, right? Like maybe you're used to hearing me talk and you are comfortable with having me around. And that's great. I love it every day. Thank you so much for making us a part of your NBA and Memphis Grizzlies experience. But I needed a break. I needed a break, and I'm happy to be back and refreshed and rejuvenated. Looking forward to draft prep and all the fun things that come around this time of year as the NBA Finals soon to get underway. We can talk more about that as the calendar turns from May to June here in these next couple of days. We've talked about the Portland Trailblazers. We've talked about the Toronto Raptors, how decisions they have to make internally are directly going to connect to what the Memphis Grizzlies are able to do on the trade market how they're going to go out and get that Dylan Brooks replacement that appears to be the most important cog of this offseason for the Memphis Grizzlies. The Brooklyn Nets have a lot of guys that could potentially be that, right? I mean, their their roster is pretty laden with wings. Mikel Bridges being the number one name that everybody likes to talk about. But Cam Johnson, restricted free agency, sign and trade, Old friend Yuta Wananabe, right? He's kind of a 3-4, but he, he counts as a wing. Dorian Finney-Smith, Royce O'Neal. There are guys. Joe Harris. Now, Joe Harris, I don't know that I would trade for him, and I'm a UVA guy, right? I like UVA, but I'm not sure I make that trade. Um, I, I'm, I'm really in a place with the Brooklyn Nets where I worry that Mikel Bridges is out of their reach. And that a team like the Portland Trailblazers, if they decide to go that route, can make a better offer just because they can. As we talked about earlier, that number four or number three, excuse me, overall pick is pretty substantial, right? That's just a trump card that the Grizzlies can't count. But Torian Finney-Smith, Cam Johnson in a signing trade gets a little bit trickier, but it's possible. Joe Harris, eh. But there are options on the Brooklyn Nets that make sense on a smaller scale for the Memphis Grizzlies. Again, Dorian Finney-Smith, we've talked about him before, and I think DFS would be a good fit 
as a pseudo 3-4, a switchable combo forward. He and Jaron would probably play together really well. And I would see DFS as the Tayshawn Prince acquisition. I think we talked about this on Lockdown Grizzlies in the past. Uh, for those of you that are new to the Grizzlies, there was a Rudy Gay versus Zach Randolph kind of question about a decade ago. And the Grizzlies chose Zach Randolph, basically, trading away Rudy Gay with the Toronto Raptors. Fun fact, part of a three-team deal. Uh, Ed Davis came to Memphis, but so did Tayshawn Prince. It involved the Detroit Pistons as well. So Tayshawn comes to Memphis. Ed Davis was seen as the key cog of that. And we can laugh about that another time. Uh, I thought Ed Davis was important. It shows you what I know. But yet you're still listening. Hi, I love you. Thanks for watching Lockdown Grizzlies. <laughs> um, Tayshawn Prince came in and it was addition by subtraction. Tayshawn Prince moved the basketball. Tayshawn Prince made good decisions with the basketball. He was a sound defender still at that point in his career. He allowed for Mike Conley and Mark Gasol and Zach Randolph to be themselves, especially Conley and Gasol in terms of upping their offensive ante with Rudy Gay gone. The growth in those two players in particular probably doesn't occur if Rudy Gay is still on the roster. And that's not to knock Rudy Gay. I was a big Rudy Gay fan. I thought he was extremely talented, and he's had a pretty good NBA career. He's still around, right? At least up through this past season, he's been around, playing in Utah, I believe. So Rudy has had a good run, but he was blocking the growth of those guys and the ability to take the next step. They needed someone that was more complimentary, similar to Steven Adams when compared to Jonas Valanciunas. DFS could be that for Memphis. There might be guys that are more talented, but Dorian Finney-Smith makes sense in terms of that same mode and model. Plus, he's a veteran player who comes in with experience, steadying hands, stable force. Tyus Jones for Dorian Finney-Smith. Maybe that's a fair trade. Straight up. Maybe you're able to hold on to the number 25 pick in that circumstance. Maybe you value that. If you're the Memphis Grizzlies, we know that they like to have draft picks. For them to completely just punt that idea would be unique for them. But at the same time, it's time for a turn in philosophy. Quadrupling down on youth, to paraphrase Zach Kleiman talking at the end of his uh, media availability a few weeks ago. To do that again would be a pretty drastic mistake. It's time to bring in veterans. It's time to find ways to better supplement the talent that you have, the core of John Morant, regardless of suspension, Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr. Those are your three guys that for the next decade, you hope, are going to have a title window open for you. How do you make those guys better? Bringing in a combo forward who could switch on the perimeter with Jaron Jackson Jr. defensively while also being a better shooter and a less aggressive one. When he does take his shots, they go in a little bit more than they did for Dylan Brooks, and he's not actively seeking that shot. Makes sense. Now, what I will say about DFS that is different from Dylan, and Dylan Brooks gets a bad rep. We've talked about that before. It's unfair in some ways, at least in my opinion. When it comes to DFS, he can't create his own shot off the dribble like Dylan Brooks can. And I know, insert your joke about how you don't know if the shot's going to go in or not. Fair enough. Dylan had a rough offensive season, but at least he could create it. And at least opposing defenses had to respect it. 
the ability to bit on the dribble and pull up at the elbow. They had to respect his handle. DFS, a little more catch and shoot. So you're relying a heck of a lot more on Jaron off the dribble, Desmond Bain off the dribble. Because if you still have Steven Adams in the mix, he's not going to do those things for you. And it makes how you use the mid-level exception that much more important, right? Because now you're looking at needing a combo guard type who, again, can create his own shot off the dribble because we're assuming that Tyus Jones is being shipped out. You lose a guy that has a tight handle that can create offense not just for himself but also for others. You have to replicate that somehow. You can't just cross your fingers and hope that these young guys develop. Sure, you keep that work going. But at the same time, we've seen that there has to be some sort of change, some sort of direction shift. And how the Grizzlies decide to do that is directly intertwined with what the Brooklyn Nets do with their gaggle of wing-type players. DFS is the easiest one to see coming to Memphis and the one that probably helps the most for the reasons that I outlined in terms of that addition by subtraction idea. Joe Harris can shoot the cover off the basketball when he's healthy. Is it worth risking that? Do you pull the trigger on a Joe Harris trade thinking he's the one that's going to get you to the Western Conference Finals? I'm not comfortable with that. Camp Johnson's probably outside of their price range. How do you figure out that sign and trade? Maybe he's available, but there's just a, an additional layer of difficulty to get that deal done. DFS doesn't seem long from the Brooklyn Nets to me. I think Mikel Bridges is, unless Portland throws that number three pick in there. I think that you could very easily see that type of deal go down. The Brooklyn Nets got to decide which wing type combo forwards are they going to invest in. And from that point forward, if they are going to move on from Mikel Bridges, if Portland's not in that mix, how do the Grizzlies get in? Can they get in without moving on from John Morant, Desmond Bain, or Jaron Jackson Jr.? If it's DFS that is the one that goes, it's fairly simple in my opinion. And I think you can make a legitimate argument that makes sense for the Grizzlies. You go use your mid-level exception and you play ball. Again, you, you move the chess pieces around a bit. It's going to be a fascinating offseason for the Memphis Grizzlies, but it's important to understand that they don't operate in a vacuum. There's 29 other teams in the National Basketball Association, and I just outlined three that could directly impact how they do their business. What if the Golden State Warriors decide they want a cost cut? They have a general manager that's about to leave, potentially. If Bob Myers is out and Golden State goes in a different direction and they don't want to pay that tax anymore, I'm not saying they trade Steph Curry, but Andrew Wiggins might make a little more sense, wouldn't he? And if Andrew Wiggins is available, should the Memphis Grizzlies knock and listen? Call and listen? Maybe. And that may be a topic for another episode down the road of Lockdown Grizzlies. Thank you so much for checking out Locked On Grizzlies. However you're watching the show, listening to the show on YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts, being an everyday or hopefully, it is much appreciated. And DeMichael and I are so grateful to you. Continue to like and comment on YouTube and rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The next time that we're together, we'll have an NBA Finals matchup set. And I'm sure DeMichael Cole and I will cover that as well as some other fun topics on the Memphis Grizzlies. Make sure that you're sticking with us each and every day. We're past the holiday as we go from May to June. We're talking NBA draft, a major part of the offseason coming up for the Memphis Grizzlies, and we'll be with you every step of the way. Thank you again. 
It's much appreciated. Hopefully you like our new digs and you'll check us out wherever you get your podcasts. This is Joe Mullinax saying stay locked in. This is Locked On Grizzlies. Catch you next time.